On this episode of Resi Week, do customers care about privacy? How to leverage private events? James Speaker introduces Mavericks and Josh AI integrations. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 169, Privacy Matters. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Access Networks and by HD Base T. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.TV. And today I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend, Stephen Bronner. He is the president of Pro Audio Georgia. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing outstanding. Stuck out here in my work vehicle. Uh, internet went down for the client, so I'm out here making this happen. Don't blame Comcast every time, even though it's their fault. <laughs> and pleased to jo- be joining us from uh, the other side of the pond, Chris Gamble. He is a director or the director at Customize. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Matt. How are you doing, Stephen? Outstanding. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. Let's kick this right off with a story that comes to us from Residential Systems and Henry Clifford, who is another good friend of mine. Do our customers care about privacy? Throughout this article, uh, Henry proceeds to have a really, honestly, a very honest conversation about uh, privacy and really the, the CI channel's role in that and he essentially covers a couple of things as far as how complicated privacy um, policies are from all the manu- major manufacturers and uh, companies out there like Facebook and Google and Apple, et cetera, and how complicated it is for him who's been in uh, the CI industry for 17 years and in IT for 23 years. And you know, Henry and I have actually had a couple of conversations about this in person, and it, it is really imperative how he he mentions it's complicated for him how complicated it must be for his clients so steven i want to start with you on this one when you look at uh customer privacy concerns is this something that the majority of your clients are concerned with or is this one of those i'm really really concerned but i want to use the smart functions on my tv or my alexis so i don't really care Where, where's where's the breaking point there I think what you just said is exactly right. Uh, They say they're concerned, but they don't care. Um, You know, I always say that, and I'm I'm big on this, actions speak louder than words. So you can tell a lot by what someone's intent is by what they do, not what they say, which is why I can't stand most politicians. But um, (laughs) what I will say is, is that I have almost every one of my clients at one point or another have come to me and said something along the line of, do you really think these devices are monitoring everything we say and everything we do? And I said, absolutely. Ever since the first iPhone and, um, and the clients inevitably by the end of the conversation, they want voice control of some kind. They want a Google assistant. They want an Amazon Alexa. They want, And so you look at them and you go, you know, we just had this conversation, but now you, you, you have gone full circle. So your actions are speaking louder than your words. 
I know there's this big push in our industry to worry about customer security and customer this and that, but it's no different than the auto industry putting seatbelts in every vehicle. There's going to be those people out there that just, you know, just because it's there to help you and they still won't wear it. They refuse to wear it. So, you know, I mean, at some point these people are going to get burned. Um, but we try our best. You put up firewalls, you explain to them not to click on things, you do all this, but as long as the convenience is so strong, it's going to outweigh the possibility of a hack until someone gets hacked. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have found the only clients that listen to me about security on their internet devices are ones that have been hacked, especially if they get their identity stolen. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Chris, when you look at this, and one of the key points that uh, I took away from this article was Henry mentioned, you know, hey, do you have a privacy policy? Is that something that your company is doing? And he hints pretty strongly, if you don't have one, you probably should. So kind of my first question for you is, A, do you at Customize, do you guys have a privacy policy? Is this something that you lay out? And, and if so, and even honestly, if not, how do you disclose some of these privacy concerns to your clients? Is this something that you even enter that conversation with beyond just the basics of, hey, we're enabling all this stuff, you should probably take a look at this? Well, first of all, as a company, we do have a privacy policy. It's front and center on our website. It's at the bottom of every page. Um, now, the reaction to bring that into our website came from this period we had in the UK of GDPR. So this, everybody in the UK, it was a hot topic for three, four, five months where everybody talked about privacy, everybody talked about storing uh, data, customers' data, and how you handle that. And I would say, with all honesty, it's kind of all been gone back to normal now, brushed under the carpet. However, it did prompt us as a business to review our storage techniques for customer information. It made us wipe and restart again a lot of um mail uh, mail newsletter lists that mm -hmm. we had um and it made us be very mindful of, of storing information what it hasn't changed really is it's it's not stopped us or slowed us down hitting that accept button when we're setting up equipment and that thing i think that's just in culture now it's just been bred into us all that we just hit accept um, it's a shame that that's happening but this the efficiency to just hit accept and get on with things i think that's everyone now picking up an app downloading a um, a game or or buying a new item of tech they're they're so excited to get to the bit that they paid for that they'll just hit whatever it takes to get to that very good all right, gentlemen, uh, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro and Jason Knott. An integrator sells 14 Samsung 8K TVs in a three-hour private event. Uh, this is about an LA integrator called OneTouch uh, Video and Audio Center. They held an invitation-only event for 200 guests to showcase the brand-new Samsung QLED 8K. Uh, essentially, they shut down one of their, their their showrooms in a mall in LA and brought in uh, about 200 of their past clients, including some celebrities, as well as some local press, et cetera, 
to really have a, a essentially a one-on-one time with the majority of those those past clients to show them the 8K uh, products from Samsung. And this included uh, not only the VP of sales for Samsung America, but some other Samsung uh, execs were on staff as well. And you know, throughout the course of this three-hour event, they sold 14 units. Um, Chris, I, I want to start this topic out with a couple of things. Um, specifically, when we start talking 8K, there, there's been a lot of debate over this and whether it's effective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to necessarily get into that. I, I want to talk about doing an event that's focused on the tech. When you look at trying to, uh, again, push something that, let's, let's be fair, isn't really available, isn't really, doesn't really have any content, is very, you know, out there as far as a tech. Does the does the technology is is that enough in itself to attract people to private events and to do things outside of LA um, and those types of situations, or do you really have to get into the story of why the technology is important and why your client should take the time to come out to these private events to you know again get that one on one time with a your staff but b the the technology that's out there. Well, first of all, the facility that these guys have in LA is unrivaled. You know, they have such a fantastic venue that they should be hosting more of these. And I hope their reaction to this success is that they do hold more events. Um, now, those kind of events, I don't think, are uncommon in other industries. How many people do you see attending uh, fashion shows, looking at the autumn winter collection or the summer spring collection, where it's aspirational? Uh, future fashion or future trends and the place is packed it gathers the world's press um, and if we relate it back to technology you've got the CES show and, and and even our own industry gatherings where the latest technology is there it's gathering the crowd it's you, you want these wow events you want to showcase something that okay maybe it's not available today but you can be some of the first people to own it you can be part of a, an exclusive gathering mm-hmm. and i i really encourage more people with facilities to pick a, a leaf out of these guys book and try and conjure up some some theater and entertainment and drama around your brand and maybe a very niche product could be a very high ticket item and 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 get your customer base there invite local dignitaries and local celebrities if, if they're in your location and and get a buzz around your business tagging on the back of a product that's buzzing very good. Stephen, what is the upside of private events like this? Uh, again, as Chris said, if you've got a showroom specifically like the one that these guys have out in LA, obviously it's really easy to take advantage of that. But if you don't have that type of showroom, that doesn't mean you can't uh, connect with either you know building partners or, or renovation partners or architectural firms that you work with. Uh, or even rent out a ballroom and do you know a lunch and learn or, or something like that. What is the benefit of doing private events where, yeah, you might sell a handful of things, but it's really marketing. What is it about private events that uh, you know draw so many so many clients out to that type of thing? Well, I think that uh, the best the the best way to describe it is is you should always be the expert. Uh, always. So if 
if you have your clients in the room, it's kind of like I tell people, I hear uh, people all the time, other integrators say, oh, I just tell my client to go to Best Buy and pick a TV. Well, as soon as they do that, now the guy at Best Buy is the expert, not you. Um, and so when you have a private event like this, you are the expert. And not only are you the expert to the people that came, but anyone that had a doubt that you were the man, the expert, um, all that doubt is erased as soon as they're in the room with a hundred other people that think you're the expert. You know, anybody, when they walk in that room, they're like, oh my goodness, this guy must really have his stuff together. So it's, or this company, you know, whatever, must really have their stuff together. So I would say that's one benefit is it strengthens your brand, whatever your brand is. Uh, the other benefit is, is, I mean, you've got a built-in captive audience for whatever message you're trying to deliver. And those people talk. So whenever they get on Facebook or they get on Twitter or they're at work the next day and they're like, man, we went to this special event and we saw new technology that's not even on the market yet. And, you know, this guy demoed it for us. And then the first question they're going to ask is, who was it? What did you see? Who did you talk to? And then you're going to get that phone call. So it's, I think it's freaking brilliant. Um, I, I wish I had that kind of, you know, space and exposure, but, when people do that, the first thing I think is this is marketing genius. Yeah, it may have cost them, you know, it may have cost them five, 10 grand, you know, to rent the space or whatever they had to do, shut down the retail location, however they had to do it. But if you think if they sold 15 8K TVs, the markup on those right now is, well, we're not going to say that out loud, but let's just say that if they spent five to 10, they definitely are not hurting for money after that event. So, um, I think it's brilliant. I don't see a single downside to doing this. It is absolutely amazing. Um, kudos to these guys. Kudos to the people that got to go to this. Uh, how how very awesome to be included in a in an elite group. Um, you you earned that group. You, you definitely wrote some checks to get there. But um, still, that's an elite group. Um, you know, I just I read this story and I thought to myself, I'm not a jealous person but I might be a little jelly right now. So, uh, no, I, I think it was great, man. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today. James Loudspeaker debuts its Mavericks Architectural Cinema Division. Uh, James Loudspeaker has formed this Mac division to focus on the design, engineering, and product specification for high-performance cinema sound systems relying on the expertise of Executive VP John Bishop. Uh, Stephen, I'm going to come back to you and, and, and start with you on this one. I, this hits me as not surprising. Uh, James has always had a fantastic product, uh, and they've also been on the, uh, shall we say, higher-end side of the market when it comes to speakers. What I do find interesting is how many companies we've seen the last you know, year and a half, two years, really make a push into high-performance cinema. The question I had for you was, has, has high-performance cinema just evolved into something that more clients are, are back to looking for? Or is this something that is just continuing to evolve, but in a very boutique space? Is this something that the average uh, custom integrator is not looking for? Oh, boy. 
<laughs> That's why I asked you. I didn't want to throw Chris under the bus right on his first time with us. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll say this: um, a lot of speaker makers out there, a lot of a lot of really great speaker manufacturers out there, and actually, the technology and manufacturing has advanced so much that it's kind of difficult to find a crappy speaker maker. You almost have to go out and search for it. Um, I applaud James for expanding into this category, growing their product line. I think it's a good move, uh, but it is not exciting news and it is not something that, uh, let's say they announced this at CDA, it wouldn't even make my, it wouldn't even make my highlight reel. Um, purely because every other company's already doing it. Um, I just, I think it's, I think it's good that they're in the category. James is a great company. They make great speakers, but it's just not news. Um, it, 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 you know, if they came out with a new kind of speaker, that might be news, but um, I expect for them to make a phenomenal product. I expect for people that are James loyalist to love it and sell it because people that sell James are just like a lot of other brands. They sell only James. Um, I, I, I expect it to move. I don't expect it to move heavily. Uh, but you know, James is a, a, a niche brand. They make a niche product and uh, I think it'll probably be good. I just don't know if I would consider this when I see articles like this come across, I think to myself, wow, there's nothing going on in our industry right now. Um, but you know, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a big deal. Um, there's just so much else going on. I think on the audio side, we're really lacking for good news. Uh, but on the video side, things are just running so fast that this is just not news to me. Chris, from the, from the UK, the European side of things, is this something that, and I realize this is to a degree, the same kind of question that I just asked Stephen, but I, I wanted your perspective coming from you know, the, the side of the world that you guys work in, because it is different. It, it does uh, lead to a different conversation with clients. Is high performance strictly the domain of the ultra high-end home theater, or is there just a, a large appreciation on both aspects of it for, um, you know, high quality audio that again is still available where does that market sit? What does that market look like? I think that the high performance equipment is still at the high end of the industry. Um, it's the biggest price tagged item. It's, it's only available to the, the customers with the biggest budgets and the most lavish projects. Um, and, but that's good. That's good for business. That's good for people that are specializing in cinema. I think the industry at the moment, at the high end, is doing a fantastic job of promoting the, the home theater, the home cinema. Um, certainly in the UK, it's such a strong sector. Um, it's one that we don't get involved in, um, believe it or not. We, we tend to operate in another part of the industry and, and another sector. But from what I see is there are some great service providers supporting uh, installers with their designs with the specification of um, fabric treatments, furniture, going way beyond just the speakers, the amplifier. They're now, you now have some great resources like this cinema designer from Cedia 
Um, I think it would be good for James to get their speakers into that database. I know it's been heavily used now by integrators. Um, but yeah, it's if you've got the money, you're going for a cinema, and if you don't have the money, you're going for you're going for Sonos or something. You know, there's such a big a big uh, gap there. Yeah, no, very, very true. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, move on to our last story of the day. This comes to us from Aviation.tv. Josh AI is bringing voice to the dish hopper. Uh, this this press release follows a number of press releases the last couple of weeks from Josh AI as far as the the integrations that they've been announcing for direct control using their natural voice language experience. Uh, Chris, I'm going to come back and, and finish this off with you and then give Stephen a, a chance to chime in. When you see this, when you see some of the things that Josh AI is doing as far as these integrations with all these different manufacturers, this is something that kind of dovetails with the story that we, we started off with, with, with customer privacy. Alexa, Google, those voice systems, they're obviously using you to data mine. Let, let's be frank about it. They're data mining everything that you're feeding into that system as mine triggers in the other room um, when she doesn't, when I need her to. Um, when you look at this, Josh AI does not do that. Does this type of announcement and the continuation of these announcements just make it more and more plausible or, or more and more likely that Josh AI continues to expand and continues to have more um, acceptance within the market because of not only these integrations, but their privacy policies? I, I think that's still one of the biggest selling factors of, of Josh is the privacy. Um, it's a feature that the installers and, and specifiers of Josh are, are trading on. It's a big uh, front and center feature of the product. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have it here in the UK, and I, I really hope we do see it soon. But a lot of these integrations, that they're coming from all the hard work that the team at Josh have done for the last two or three years and their constant participation in industry gatherings and discussions and, and the networking they do that they're now getting some of these huge brands working with their product like we saw LG only a couple of weeks ago or within a week really and that can only do good things for first of all Josh a private voice assistant with working with your favorite brands and then for the integrators that are the Josh installer network they're now getting some spotlight because if the customer identifies a private voice assistant and then sees that it's a, an installer-led product, it's going to be it's, it's great for the industry that Dish, LG, and, and many others like Sonos as well. Their um, their uh, I can't remember what the term they used, but there was voice integration with Sonos from Josh, and that's that's just putting a mm -hmm. great spotlight on the professional integrators out there. Very good, Stephen. Uh, when you follow this. It you know, we, we've had this conversation multiple times that, you know, these kind of announcements on one hand aren't a big deal, right? It's another integration. It's what we expect these companies to do. But on the flip side, this kind of is a, is a big deal because it means that there's direct connection. It, it just simplifies systems and systems design. Is that where we're hopefully going to be able to get to very very soon, very, very in the very near future, where 
these voice systems can interact without the need of a, a processor in the back end for those basic applications. Is that what we're hoping to get out of this or does that just continue to, you know, kind of weaken the position and the value add of the industry? Um, I think that, uh, I think the assessment that you don't need a process on the back end is the, is the error I would have with that because Josh AI is a very expensive process on the back end. So, uh, yeah, if you could talk directly to your direct, your dish network remote and it, that would, that had a Josh AI processor in it. And that's one thing, but to, you know, here's the way I look at this. Josh AI is a luxury product. It is priced that way. It is advertised that way. That is its intention. So if you're working on a project that, that needs or requires Josh AI, integrating a dish network box should definitely not be hard. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure why this is, I'm looking for the positive in this story. And the reason why is I really like the guys at Josh AI. I think they do a phenomenal job. I think it's a great product, but I'm not sure why being able to natively control the second largest satellite company in the world, their equipment is, is a big deal. Uh, since everything, even our cheapest, most garbage control systems can do that. Uh, that being said, um, I commend Josh AI for reaching out to industry partners, reaching out to the people that, that are big in our industry. And I want Josh AI to integrate with everything. I would love to have a box that was Josh AI that you logged into with a web interface on a smartphone and you didn't have to have a control system to go with it. Uh, you could just say, hey, kind of like Crestron Ping, where you just tell it what equipment you have. It's got a pre-built GUI. It's got everything pre-built. You know, RTI has it with Apex, Crest, uh, Control 4, based their whole business model on it. It's basically do-it-for-me programming. Um, I would love to see that with Josh AI. I think that may be the direction they're going. However, um, you know, for right now, just for right now, I don't think that being able to integrate with Dish Network is a, uh, a, a huge selling point uh, for that particular product because a client buying that product doesn't care what satellite dish you put in. You put in DirecTV, Comcast, as long as it works, they don't care. They don't get mixed up in those kind of details. Right. Very good. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Stephen, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Pro Audio Georgia, where can they do that? Uh, you can catch me at Pro Audio underscore GA on Twitter. You can get me at ProAudioGeorgia.com. Uh, reach out to me any way you want to reach out to me. I love to work with other integrators, talk to other integrators. Uh, so if you have questions, concerns, if you have complaints, you can forward those to uh, Matt Scott at avnation.tv. Uh, if you have checks, those come to Pro Audio Georgia. Uh, otherwise, I look forward to hearing from you if you want to chat. Love you too. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you had a good time. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Customized, where can they do that? Easiest way to connect with us is on our Instagram page. If you look for at Customized One. If you'd like to hear more from me, I also run a podcast with a good friend of mine, JJ Cannon. Check out The Digital Ramble on Facebook, YouTube, and on the podcast platforms. Oh, the Digital Ramble. Yeah, I've, definitely I've check out the Ramble. There you go. The Ramble is a great show. Uh, again, thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. 
But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all of the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We're extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.